Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast for this 11th day of May. I'm Paul White. Thanks for joining me. Uh, We have our midweek Bible study up now. Wherever you're getting this podcast, there are two podcast drops on Wednesday every week, two on Wednesday, two on Sunday. One of those, of course, is this, the DDP, this little short walk through the scriptures. We're in 1 Timothy 1. We're going to jump into the 11th verse in a moment. The other is, uh, on Wednesday, is our midweek Bible study from Flowery Branch, Georgia. We have our meeting on Tuesday night. We try to have that video up by late Wednesday, or by midday Wednesday, and we try to have the audio up by late day Wednesday. Um, So check it out wherever you get this podcast. We are closing out our study on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this journey uh, be with us as we start to transition into something new very soon. Okay, First Timothy 1. I, I want to read one verse today because it says something. It's really a, the, the, the capstone of this opening salvo that Paul has sent against false teachers. And that, that opening salvo begins in the third verse and runs through, really the body of it runs through verse 10. We left 11 off yesterday when we read, though 11 is kind of the where it all actually comes to a a head, and that is this. Well, the reason I left it off is because it's really just Paul's sort of tag to this, listen, the law is laid down for this kind of person. And then verses 9 and 10 really tell what that person looks like. Godless, sinful, unholy, profane. Those who kill their father or their mother, murderers, fornicators, sodomites, slave traders, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching. Then 11, so you're really in the middle of a verse. 11 says this, that conforms to the glorious gospel of the, of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. So in, in effect, whatever is contrary to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me, Paul says, that's the kind of stuff that the law is made for. Paul is positioning his version of the gospel as the direct opposite of the version of the law. Okay, so put all that together. The law is good if you use it right. That's verse 8. This means that we understand the law is laid down not for innocent people and then lawless, disobedient, godless, etc., 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 and whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So notice the stacking on one side, the illegitimate usages of the law would be using the law on innocent people, using the law on, well, a believer, but the innocent, because the law is to expose the guilty And then Paul stacks across from that his version of the gospel, which he proceeds to say is what should be taught rather than the law that is really only to expose and control guilt. So what's Paul saying about his own gospel? It's for innocent people. It doesn't lead you into the bondage of performance. And it's entrusted to him by God. You can say what you will about whether Paul should say it this way when he he says 
in the first chapter of Galatians, uh, I wince a little bit, honestly, when he when he talks about if anyone preaches to you any other gospel than that which you've heard me preach, let him be double cursed. And every time I read that, I think, goodness, Paul, that Jesus wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, so I, I I do have some struggles there. But I do I actually like the way Paul lays this out in First Timothy because he he really there's no other way to say it. You have to stack the the glorious gospel up against the illegitimate use of the law um, by putting the diamond against a black backdrop, it makes the diamond shinier. And the black backdrop is the law used on the wrong people. And then the glorious gospel. What a phrase. I've always, one of my favorite usages of gospel, if you're going to put an adjective in front of it, has been glorious. The glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted me. And there's all kinds of descriptions of gospel in the New Testament. Of course, there's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's the gospel of the kingdom. There's the gospel of peace, etc., etc. But the glorious gospel of the blessed God. What a phrase. Because it points back to his salutation at the top of the chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus our hope. We said this a few days ago. God is our Savior. Christ is our hope. God is our Savior in that he authors a new covenant, a covenant of grace. Take that idea and add it to the 11th verse. God is our Savior. That's the glorious gospel of the blessed God. This is the glorious gospel of a God who has blessed us with a covenant. The glorious gospel of a blessed God who is our Savior. And when you put glorious in front of it, you're hearkening back to an Old Testament description of God. And I don't mean that in a negative sense at all. I mean it in the most purely positive usage of an Old Testament description. Remember, when Moses wanted to see God, God hid him in the cleft of a rock, put his hand over Moses' eyes, and the Bible said God told him, I'm going to show you my glory. And they passed in front of him. And the glory of God is, I will let you see my goodness, God said. The glory of God becomes the goodness of God. To say the glorious gospel of the blessed God is to say, let me show you the good news of a good God. Gospel's good news. Good news, God is good. Good news, God has always been good. Not good news, God's good now. Oh, used to God wasn't so good, God's good now. No, good news... He's a good God. And in him being a good God, we can relax. That's what gospel is all about. You don't freak out at good news. You relax at good news. Good news. He's a good God. He is our Savior. A little gratitude for mercy coming up from the Apostle Paul beginning in the 12th verse. We'll do that with him tomorrow. I'll see you then. God bless.